0: Hey everyone, I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. My co-host Erin Bagwell is on maternity leave and is taking care of her little daughter, but she'll be returning to the beaver den in the spring. We're wishing all the best to her and Ginny Rose. For now, it's time to deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Oh my god, I love that we're clapping like silent little seals during the intro. Hi! Hi. Oh my god, I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for hosting, and I wish I had come sooner, but we're here. I know, but we're here today, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, My dear friend, Ophelia Overton, is here. She's a media strategist, a visual artist. She spent her career leveraging media to achieve social, political, and cultural change. Woo! Woo! Good government nonprofits, political consulting firms, and digital culture publications. You are originally from LA. I am. You lived in Sydney, Australia, which is incredibly fabulous. It was fabulous. And, and now I'm in the chilly New York. Right? Now you're in Brooklyn, New where York. we meet for coffee yes. from time to time. All the time. I know, all the time. We have a spot in Williamsburg that we go to a lot. What's Shout it? out devotion. Yeah. It's yeah. like devotion. Oh yeah, I never say it correctly. But it's lovely. It is lovely, and it has that, like, living wall. It's so great. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so excited you're here. I feel like...
1: This was we, a long time coming. I know.
0: We talk about... We've talked about Beaver Talk, like, every time we hang out, but I feel like I've never talked about, like, media with you. That's so true. I feel we like talk we about have... everything
1: around media.
0: Yeah, we don't talk about, like, TV or movies or stuff. I feel like mostly we talk about, like, the struggle of, like, living in the city. Yes. We both came here, like other places obviously yes you from sunny california which it has been a struggle <laughs> um, over the past few winters yes it um, sure has. but i feel like you i'm so excited to have you on because you're like one of the most famous people i know you're an artist all the things. You're a creative, you're all the things, and you're so politically minded and you're such a just all-around fabulous person. Oh, so, I'm super stoked. I want to before we get into the topic of today's show, which I feel like is a little bit of a funny one because it's not a particularly feminist, but that's <laughs> TV kind show. of the, the point, right? It's like <laughs> why why we have feelings about things that are
1: not feminist. Right. Is just as important. So,
0: that's true. Yeah, I'm going to take that and run yeah, with it. that's the thing. <laughs> Before we get into the not feminist but equally important piece of media that we're discussing today, yes. I want to get a sense from you because we've never really chatted about it. I would love to know like what you watched growing up, what inspired you as a kid, like what was on the TV, what were you yes. like so excited about. Well, I would say.
1: Medium-wise, mm-hmm. writing, of course. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, one of the first things we ever talked about when we met. We're like, yeah. oh, my God, journalism school, me too. Oh, my God. The battle scars <laughs> yes, we were wearing. right? Yeah. And so when I was really young, I got, like, this journal. It was, like, a birthday or Christmas present or something. And I'm like, okay, I'll write. And then I just didn't stop. And so physically the feeling of writing I was super into when I was younger. But, like, aesthetically and fashion-wise, you know, I was growing up in, like, the early – nineties, so everything was like Y2K, future, like um, what was her name? Xenon, like oh every everything was so like faux futuristic. And so I feel like that aesthetic um really like carries through in like my art and things that I find like visually very appealing. Um Spice World was a must, must, must every sleepover. I thought remember they have or is it in spice world or maybe one of their videos they're like in the desert everything's silver yes so you'll be there yes yes oh my
0: god
1: that what that aesthetic of like desert and shiny and like that i feel like it comes up so much in like everything that i do
0: burning man
1: it's very burning man
0: (laughs) um can we make that claim
1: It's a thing. Well, you know, maybe that was part of it, too, because, like, my mom also goes to Burning Man all the time. And so that, like,
0: growing up was... I
1: know. Your mom goes to Burning Man? She doesn't as much, but she did for, like, a hot minute when, yeah, when we were younger. And so, like, I'm from the desert. That, That aesthetic carries through to everything. Just... I don't know why I'm so into it. I love like desert scapes. Like oh my god. That, those pastels of like the sunset and like that carries through everything. But it, even music wise, what was happening? Gwen Stefani was everything. The queen,
0: yeah. Big pants, tiny shirt. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Oh my God. So I tried on a pair of plaid pants at H&M, because <gasps> I was just really excited that they had plaid pants. And I was like, here we go. I'm living it's my best Gwen Stefani life. Did you life. buy them? Absolutely not, because oh. they literally looked like a potato in them.
1: But you tried them on. But I tried so them on. you're
0: halfway there. It's They're really hard to find. But. It was a lot. I feel like I, I tried on the pants, and then I was, like, going to pair it with the white crop top. And I was like, let's just not do I think you that. could pull it off. But oh that aesthetic, God. like baby doll, like clueless,
1: we always had. Yeah, I would say Spice World, clueless. Always. Every sleepover. For like years, 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 we would watch that. So, baby doll, those type of things. But I don't know all all the media things. Did textiles. you have like a
0: favorite movie? Like was Spice World, your favorite movie growing up?
1: You know what I really, really was into when I was younger? What's the one with Drew Barrymore and she? Ever After. Oh my god. Oh my god! I was obsessed with really? that movie when I was younger. Yes, it's like neo fairy tale. Yeah. Oh my God, I was so into it. And I just, like, loved Drew Barrymore growing up. I thought she was so, like, weird and quirky. And I thought it was the like, coolest. She had, like, a boy's name before that was a thing. Oh, my so, God. So, yeah. All, I would say Ever After. I was so into it. Ever uh, After and No Doubt were, like, yeah.
0: Have you ever seen No Doubt live?
1: Did you I go see have. them? I
0: have. You did? Yes. it's uh, uh, my biggest regret in life. It well, was, maybe not the biggest regret. <laughs> <laughs> but Musically maybe it's one of them. It's like, up there.
1: R.I.P. Because they are... Just that energy of like, I don't know. She was just so cool when I was younger. Oh, she's she was so everything. cool.
0: And now she's doing the Just a Girl show in Vegas, and I'm like, I want to be on the level of. I love the rollout that she's been doing on Instagram of sharing all of her really old photos of her oh, like god. at the beginning of she her was career. So iconic. Oh my god. Like the bindi, even though it's problematic. Like
1: she was just so out there. Yeah, and like, yeah, she's, they're from Orange County, so I know.
0: I was gonna it's say like, she's a Cali girl. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a big one for me. I would love, I love Gwen Stefani, and I feel like I'm, like, not on board with the Blake Shelton situation. I still don't Aaron understand. Erin and I talk about this a lot. I still don't
1: <laughs> understand, and, like, everyone meets a need for someone else, so, like, something's working, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think about that,
0: I'm like, what the
1: hell? Like,
0: what? I know. But I'm, if she's happy, you know. I know. we gotta, Go get it, girl. We gotta support our girl, Gwen. Right? Our girl, Gwen.
1: Totally.
0: Um, what are you watching and listening to right now? Like what are you excited about? I've
1: been on this weird, like, info only kick wa- like media wise. Oh like I'm girl. really into like Vox sentences um explained. What? It's like eighteen minute episodes where they're like, here's one topic and I know we're doing what it is. like it's wonderful and I it's short watched. and not committal, and it's like I would recommend it. Okay. And like Jeopardy, weirdly. I love this. Every once in a while, I'm like, you know what I'm really in the mood for? Jeopardy. (laughs) like Because it's like, I don't feel like I'm totally useless. Like, I'm watching TV, but it's It's, it's, informing my mind. Yeah, it's intellectual. Yeah. So I have been, like, on a weird docuseries kick. You know what else I watched this week, which I was also boiling about? Um, Get Me Roger Stone.
0: Oh, I haven't watched it. Oh, my God. Isn't Roger Stone that awful man who's, like, currently being charged with, like, a million counts of –
1: And that's why I watched it this week. I watched it, like, years – not years. Oh, when it first came out. It's not that old. And then recently, because I'm like, oh, he's so smug, and he finally got what's coming to him. I just had such, like, a schadenfreude moment where I was like, yes, you're going down. It's happening right now. So would recommend. It's on Netflix. Okay. Get me Roger Stone. Got it. I had to watch it while I was working out because I was so boiling watching it. You're just wow. like, is this person real? He's just the epitome of everything that is wrong with the world. So Ooh.
0: yes, oh, get into it. it. Oh yes. my God, we get we need to check out that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should just dive into what we're here to talk about today. Let's I mean, I kind of want to pivot this into a Gwen Stefani appreciation episode. Right. We can do... Part two, another time for just for Gwen. Yeah, could yes. equally, equally just as easily do that. <laughs> yes. But I feel like we both have so many thoughts and feelings about com- yeah. this show. Today we're talking about Netflix's You, which I realized as I was preparing this episode that it's going to be so confusing to be like, You, on you, on you, on you. Because it's like a very confusing you. title. Even when I ask people, I'm like, Oh, have
1: you seen You? They're like, Wait, what is it? I'm like, <laughs> It's called You. It's called You. <laughs> it's called You. And, yeah, let's get into it. It, I'm full of feelings about this show.
0: I am, too. And it's not particularly feminist. It's, I mean, it's not feminist. But I think it has really interesting things to say around toxic masculinity and around social media. And the reason why I actually (laughs) pitched this to you originally when we were, like, talking about what we could do for an episode was the idea of, I think, the way that they portray female friendships in this show is, like, fascinating. It... Yes. I like that these, something that really irks me
1: is like women are always like not, not even gentle, like restrained. And now you're mm. seeing just like the grittiness of, of female friendship sometimes that can go awry. So it was refreshing in that way that it's not like we're girls just like wrenching, which they are, but it's like the underside of that, which I thought was really interesting that they I know they that they went there. I yeah. totally
0: agree. I think that I think that female friendships, it's something you and I talk about a lot yes. as we both, you know, came to this city, had to like find our tribe, had to like go through some rounds of like friendships coming totally. and going and like kind of figuring out who our people are. Um I think that this show does a it's set in New York and I think it does a really interesting job of what it says about the commonalities people find in adult friendships Mm -hmm. especially between women Mm -hmm. and i mean obviously it takes it to a very dark place but i think kind of taking a step back to give everybody context it's so you on netflix stars pen badgley um elizabeth layle and shay mitchell um and it's the kind of this classic boy meets girl television show except boy is a deranged stalker who murders people and that's who Penn Badgley plays, and it's super addictive because it's super trashy. Like this is not The Wire.
1: <laughs> this is not like. <laughs> I was surprised by how captivated I was. I was yeah. like, I was like, all right, let's let's check this out. And then I was
0: watching it. I was like, oh my god, I have to know. Like, I have to know. You just I have, have to, to keep, like, keep going. It. Yeah, I completely agree. The binge the binge aspect of this show is very real.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I finished it in
0: maybe three days. And I also know friends who are refusing to watch it because it's like oh. a little too real about like, inner, like, especially my friends who are like dating through apps. Like they're like, it's I just scary. don't want to meet a guy like this and I don't want to magnetize that. And they're like, I can't even, I, it's just too scary. Can't touch it. So it is very scary. Like it's a little weird.
1: It really exposes like the fragility of dating as, mm. a, as a woman or even just someone is shorter or smaller than like just general male population like that is scary to think about it's scary to think about how female friendships can also be influenced by relationships and like it was astonishing how manipulative that situation got like it it was just very unsettling to know that or to think about your friends like after watching it you're like okay who has ulterior motives for like being friends with me. Mm-hmm. Like are they are they genuine? You never you never know. Yeah like in the show she had no idea that her friends were up to other things, I guess, behind behind her back. And she would have never known otherwise if this guy hadn't been a
0: creep. So I know and I think that's an interesting you've raised like an interesting thing about this show is that you see the entire the entire first season is through Joe's perspective. So you're right. only ever seeing Beck, who's the girl that he falls in love with. You're only ever seeing her through his eyes. Mm-hmm. You're only seeing her friends through his perspective, and he he's so condemning of her friend group right. and how she's living her life kind of unintentionally. And I think that what you does in a very interesting way is kind of make you see his perspective. And you're agreeing with this man who's a total psychopath. Yeah, that's right. You're like, you know what? Their friends are really shallow. This is so lame.
1: Like you are doing a nice thing to, by like, quote, protecting her by being a creep. I thought, I think that's what made me so boiling about this show. It's like, I'm, he goes on this whole thing. I'm protecting you basically from your, from yourself. Just like, what? is going on in your mind that you feel the need to like control a woman like that is super unsettling.
0: But also I feel like it's speaking to the larger issue of like toxic masculinity and how so many men feel that way. Not to the extent that they would like kill the people around the person to be with them, but But the sense of needing to
1: control almost. Yeah. It's like, why Why (laughs) are you like that? uh, I don't know. It just, it does speak to issues of, control like he doesn't he's not even dating her it's just like an object for him to manipulate
0: yeah yeah i mean he constantly says like i'm gonna save you and throughout the entire first season he frames like he's killing people left right and center but he's like framing it as chivalrous and doing it for beck um in order to make it so that she can live her best life right and be, like, focused solely on that relationship and solely on her own growth as a person. Right. And I think what's so interesting is that, like, he's kind of taking away, like, he murders Peach, oh. who is such a toxic person. Truly. And he murders the, like, shitty dirtbag fuck buddy that she has. Yes. I don't even remember his name. Ben- Benji. Benji. Oh, my
1: God. Benji. How could you forget the homemade oh. sodas?
0: Oh, so did you find that... You were agreeing with Joe, like did it By get the psychologically end, there for you? I was so like disappointed in the last
1: episode. I'm like, oh my god, I thought you were going to maybe not murder her. I
0: know. <laughs> I thought that she wasn't going to get murdered either, and then it happened. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, he's
1: taking out all these shitty people in her life, and then he's going to stop one step short of doing that to I her. Know. I want, I so wanted him to like do that and come out on top of this situation but that that's what was so disappointing the last episode I'm like I did find myself agree- I'm like yeah you know what you are a good guy you're just doing this to be to be good to her and and now you're just an asshole so <laughs>
0: um, so I think about I think one of the things that's really interesting is kind of a thread that goes throughout this show is it's a scathing critique of the way we use social media oh my god and How we kind of perform our ideal selves and lives rather than actually living it. Absolutely. And so it's this idea like Joe Joe and Beck meet in the bookshop that he works in and he just instantly becomes obsessed with her, which is terrifying in and of itself. And he's able to learn so much about her from the outset because she posts everything online. She posts that she's a student at NYU and she posts that she teaches yoga classes at this particular studio in the village. And she posts that she goes for a brunch every Sunday with her girlfriends and drinks on Friday night. And like she's constantly tagging her location. She's constantly tagging her friend group. She's posting across platforms. And I mean, does this sound familiar? This is right. This is everybody. Um, (laughs) And I think it shows, like, how we readily give up our personal information and leave ourselves extremely vulnerable. It's being explored in this very, like, campy and dramatic kind of way. But that's real. But it felt so real. And I think I felt so called out by this show because it's like we've completely forgotten, like, all those parental controls our parents like. Right? (laughs) It's like, don't tell strangers where you're going. Like, just all this stuff. And it's like, now we just post it online. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's nothing. And I think what's interesting for me, like, I was thinking about you coming on to talk about this show. You're, like, a very private person on social media. And so I wanted to kind of, like, chat yes. with you. Like, is that intentional? Is, what are your kind of thoughts on, like, how we perform ourselves? It, that's a great question. So part sometimes
1: it's just by accident. Like, I actually, I was thinking about that this week. I'm like, you know what? I haven't posted anything in like months and months. And part of it is just cyclical because I am a chronic hibernator in the winter. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not going to like show what I'm up to in the winter. That's time for myself. Like I'm very selfish in the, in the winter. It's like, yeah, I am up to things, but you don't need to know what those things are. So part of it is intentional. Sometimes I just forget Like, I'm not that kind of person that will like stop in the middle of something and be like, let me, you know, let me take a photo. I'm so bad about it. I'm so bad about it. So, and the third leg of that is that I do social for work. So it's not always, it's not always fun. It feels like work. Mm -hmm. Like, I do it all day, all day for Mm -hmm. clients, whatever. So I don't know that I want to jump right back on when I get home. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. I don't want to do that all day.
0: It makes sense. Do yeah. you ever worry? Cause I know that you promote your art on your Instagram, like from time to time, yeah. like you were doing it a little bit last year. I do
1: it in spurts. Mm-hmm. So, um, I feel like in the spring I am, I can be really like public about it cause I'm yeah. making all my art over during the winter. I'm hibernating. I'm <laughs> in the dark. I'm doing, I'm in my feelings. I'm painting, I'm editing, I'm filming I'm doing all the things and then in the spring I'm like uh emerge from my den and I'm ready to share so I'm finishing up some things um now actually well after after this um cycle of work dies down so like February-ish it is February mid-February I should dive deeper into that and then things will be ready for the spring yeah but um for now I like to lay low um but it is, I'm just like kind of a private person. It's like, if you are close to me, you know what I'm doing. Yeah. So you don't need to find out online. Um, and then after watching this, I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I like never <laughs> post anything because you, how could you tell what I'm up to? You don't.
0: I know. No? Yeah. You're such a ghost. Right? So elusive. <laughs> so elusive. So elusive. Yeah, I think I think that that's something that you actually does very well is like, you know, Beck is kind of friends with these like pseudo influencers who are basically just like extremely self-important <laughs> rich girls. Is well, we've all overheard
1: those girls out, right? Yeah. Like they're everywhere. They are
0: everywhere. And I think it's, like, you also need to keep in mind, again, that, like, we're seeing this all through Joe. And so it's, like, it's how he sees her friends. It's how he sees Beck. It's how he sees all of this going down. But Mm. I like that it's kind of, like, calling out that aspect of social media as being not only hugely damaging because it's completely fake. Right. But also how, like, a guy – like people can know everything about you and you're readily giving it up.
1: Right. Or do they know about you? Because that is just a projection of who you are like that. I mean, it is her, but it's not her Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's just like this weird amalgam of all of her wishes about herself that she's projecting out into the world. So like, yes and yes and no. And I think that that's really, I feel like they call that out in that show too. Like, is this really you? Um, it's just the performance of Beck. It's not really
0: Beck. Yeah, and we never really know who Beck is because no. it's either her social media persona or it's the persona that Joe is projecting onto her. Right. Of like this idealized fair maiden who has to be saved from herself.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I
0: think that that's something, and this is where the show kind of gets complicated for me is I'm like, is that intentional that we right. don't know about her? Or is it like, we just give so much space to Penn Badgley in this show that he becomes, like, the I think forefront. It, I think it is intentional in a way because it
1: isn't about her. Just, like, him dating her isn't about her at all. She's just, like, a container for these ideas that he has about women or weird revenge stuff about his ex. So I think that, I, don't, I mean, I don't obviously know what they were thinking when they were writing the show, but it would make sense to me that they don't give her that, that space because she is just supposed to be an empty vessel which is horrifying and i was just so sad that that was her fate she was just a container and then she was just dead
0: yeah i know oh man she like rises and falls right but in a
1: weird way like he gave her what she wanted right which was to notoriety Mm -hmm. so i know
0: in her own book and like it's all very confusing. It's all
1: very confusing. But I do know I was just absolutely boiling at the end of the, at the end of this season. Oh, my God. I can't believe this guy. And then he plays the same character in Gossip Girl. Like, is that him?
0: I know. Is that him in real life? No. Do you think it is? That's not Penn Badgley. Obviously, I'm not saying
1: he's a stalker <laughs> in real life. But like, how? why did you get cast to play things that are so similar? Like, what? portion of that is you
0: I feel like when he, it was just it was like unveiled that Dan Humphrey was Gossip Girl the like creators because this is based on a book and maybe right. like the person who wrote the book was like oh my oh. god he's perfect <laughs> you
1: know what that's very true I shouldn't uh disparage Penn Badgley he's probably a really nice guy he's done the work to play this role he sure has but um oh I just gosh. think god, it's very peculiar just his casting and
0: I think what's also complicated for women when they watch this show is like, A, they start to agree with him because he's the only narrator and, and we see everything through his eyes, but also like he's attractive. And so people are right. like, there's all these jokes online about like, I wouldn't be upset if Ben Badgley was stalking me and like God, all this stuff. But it's like, that's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. It's crazy. I think before we get into the end of, the season. Yes. I'd love to kind of know, I love this concept of Beck being kind of like this empty container that everybody projects onto, whether it's right, her. Even Peach. Even Peach. Yeah. What did you think about how female friendships were portrayed on this show? Cause it was something that was really interesting to me. That's, I think
1: that it was sadly accurate for some people. And that includes myself. Sometimes it's like, you know, we're good and genuine friends but I can't say everyone that I'm friends with is because I feel good and genuine. Sometimes it is strategic. Sometimes it is, it's like we have mutual interests and, or you know someone or this or that. I think it shed a great deal of light onto like why and how people choose to be friends sometimes. Sometimes it is just to like fill a need, just like Peach and Vec. I don't think Peach cared at all really about Beck. It was the same thing. It was about control. It was about like Beck is bland enough to receive these projections from other people. Um, I, I think that it was sadly accurate. And I don't even want to say that and like sound cynical, but it's true. Like particularly in New York, like how often do you see people they're chatting on the subway and you're like, I know you guys don't like each other. Like, this just looks very convenient. Mm-hmm. So, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I don't do that. I'm not better than other people, and I can be terrible too. But I just think it was, yeah, it was accurate.
0: Yeah, I think part of the reason why th- I found that piece so interesting in this show is that, like, we've seen it.
1: We've mm-hmm.
0: experienced it. And I think also we've moved on from it. You know, this show is in many ways. Like, right. this show in many ways is... um kind of this like caricature of like a very heightened version of what Absolutely. Um what could be the rom-com, what could be like a buddy comedy with her and Peach. Like right. it's it's very much a dark version of those things. And I think that And when it comes to female friendships, it's like the scarcity between all four of her friends is so palpable.
1: It really is. There's such a
0: fear there around, like, when she can't come to drinks, they're like, well, what's going on? Like, why can't you come? And Peach is so afraid to have her, I mean, rightly so, so afraid that she started to date Penn Badgley, but it's not from a place of him being a killer because she doesn't know that yet. It's from a place of now Beck's time is not solely Peach's to own. Right, and I think that there's such a codependency that's portrayed between these friendships because yes. they're all college friends. They all came up through Brown together, mm-hmm. and it's such a it's such a relationship of convenience. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And I think, <laughs> um, I think it can be hard to like make a adult friends. Sometimes you know mm-hmm. the, we both moved here. We've gone through that process of like seeking people out. So I think it's interesting people who like remain in the same city as their college friends like how those female friendships evolve first like you're moving somewhere and you're starting over whereas i feel like on the other side of that coin new york has been incredibly wonderful and in that like i am still actively selecting who i want to be yeah friends so like i didn't go to, to school in this country even yeah. so it's i feel like i have less opportunity to have those friendships of convenience. Just, it's like, I'm not there anymore. I move so much. I change so much. Like I am actively forging my friendship circle. Whereas frankly, I thought their friendship group was like lazy. It's like, cause just because you guys went to school, like yeah. that's the only thing you guys have in common and you're not in school anymore. Like I think that those, I think people find a great deal of comfort in like hanging out with your college friends and, some people are genuinely friends with people they went to college with. I don't need to say all college group, whatever, friends are lazy. But I think in this case, it seemed lazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's very yeah, convenient.
1: Because what, you guys all just are elite? Or like, what's <laughs> what's happening with that? So I think that, yeah, accurate and lazy is how I would say this. this friend group strikes me.
0: Agreed, agreed. And I think it is so important to remember, like, the, the friend group is really not the focus. It's really to like right. underpin back in Joe's relationship. Right. But I think what he is pointing out with – he's like, you need to get new friends. Like, none of them are interested in you genuinely. Mm-hmm. None of them want to know about your writing, your career, what you're trying to do to be- better yourself. And I think that's the piece that, like, we've all been there with frenemies. We've all been right. stuck kind of in a wrong friend group that
1: – Right. Where you feel, like, competitive and yeah. weird and um, – yeah, let's talk about frenemies for a second. <laughs>
0: um,
1: not to hijack <laughs> where this was going, but I think that I think that's accuracy. It's like, why do we? Why do girls have so many more frenemies than mm. men? It's like we're so competitive. I feel that too. Sometimes it's like, am I attractive compared to them? Am I smart compared to them? Am I successful compared to them? And like, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be inside of a male to male friendship but i from the outside it just doesn't seem like there's that same trap you know and like you know patriarchy and other things underpinning it. well but, it's the idea of
0: scarcity that like yeah. when you look at when you look at how many women get to the top right it's it's way less than men right and you look at that across industries my least favorite thing in the world is when we talk about like Male-dominated industries, and oh I'm like, show God. me an industry that That's is not, not male-dominated. <laughs> like, give me a break. Um, but I think it's that scarcity. Like, it's the idea that, like, oh, am I s- as smart as her? Because right. some somewhere I've been told a narrative that like we're not both going to get to right. be in that class, or we're not both going to get to go to that college, or we're right. not both going to get to have the same opportunities. Because men, it's going to go to men. Mm-hmm. It's going to go to the men, or in the room.
1: competition
0: for men, or competition for men. That's Which is also such a burden. It's such a burden and it's such a <laughs> Yeah. It's such a dangerous distraction for women. Right. So is now thinking about that,
1: is that front group really their own making? Or is it all these other terrible things just living as part of the patriarchy? Right. Like turning them against each other? Maybe a little of both?
0: Well, I think that I think a little bit of both, because I think you have Joe who's like, outwardly condemning this friend group and not that what he's saying is wrong but he's also he's also extremely right toxic obviously Right. right and kind of the embodiment of of that patriarchal notion that women need to be saved and that chivalry is really important and that women can't do it for themselves they're not to be respected but to be owned right and and so i think it's kind of an interesting complication that this show presents is like and it's that, that, that dynamic between him and Peach. Because Peach absolutely. is also not. They're one in the same.
1: They're one in the same. I love it. Which is horrifying. Yeah, it's like <laughs> being horrible is not gendered. We can all be horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it just was interesting to see how it manifested that same controlling, like absolutely horrifying behavior, how it presents in a man versus how it presents in a woman
0: right and it's almost like joe does it because he feels entitled to it yeah and peach does it out of scarcity because she's afraid of losing right control right Ugh. so interesting
1: i just, i i want more from this i want more from this show so let's talk about
0: <laughs> it we're gonna do season two it's been renewed Yeah, it's coming up what do we hope to see in season two we've beck is dead which is I keep hoping.
1: I keep hoping they're going to be like, psych, oh we God. staged it, and I she's said, alive." I
0: said to Emery at the end of the episode, "I'm like, she's not actually dead." And Emery's like, "She dumped her body, and John Stamos got blamed Whoa. for the murder." I
1: keep thinking it's going to be like plot twist. Just kidding, right? Like we um, staged this, and it's someone else in the grave. It's obviously her, but I so don't want it to be I her. Know, I'm so right there with you. I would say for season two, I really hope that. Yeah,
0: that's just some kind of plot twist where she's like, it's me, I just started a new identity. Well, because we also (laughs) thought that the ex-girlfriend was dead, but she's back. Yes, so I'm
1: like, other plot twist, maybe she could also be alive.
0: I want, here's my hope for season two. I hope that the ex-girlfriend kind of messes with Penn Badgley a little bit and does to him what he's been doing to other women.
1: Uh Uh-oh. And I hope we get,
0: like, an evil girl in the mix who's, like, kind of messing up his world a bit.
1: I'm so into that. I'm really into the emergence of, like, quote, evil women in media lately. Me too. Like, Robin Wright. Oh, my God. Everything. She's the best villain. It's I'm obsessed with her. Killing Eve, the best. Ugh. It's the best. So I like the, the one thing that is uplifting, I guess, about this is that there's not the same expectation for women to be like neat or mm-hmm. um like tight, tightly presented to the, to the world yeah, in a way. Yeah, she doesn't to be like yeah. perfect. She's allowed yeah. to be like kind
0: of in her mess.
1: Like they at least have some complexity. Agreed. And like they at least talk about other things other than
0: men even if it's inane things but it's it's a start right it's a start start. i'm looking out for season two because i just feel like i have no idea where this is going and i don't think they do either so i'm kind of looking forward to seeing what happens likewise oh my gosh we'll keep an eye on it um i could talk about this with you i feel like i feel like we have so many thoughts and feelings about what this show is doing and i think we're going to keep an eye on season two we're going to have you back to talk about it yes and Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so much for having this me. This so was good. wonderful. Um, thank you to Kent for spending all your Wednesdays with us. And if you have Thanks, any Kent. thoughts about you or any other movies that we should be watching, please email beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. And have a happy Feminist Wednesday. Beaver Talk. This has been an Atlantic Transmission Production.